Hey everybody, welcome back to Small Talk Japan. On this show, we talk about all things Japan in English. My name is Mitch, and I'm here with Josh. And we got a great show for you today. We're going to talk about a man who died in Japanese police detention, which is not good news, but it is very concerning, and it's something that we really want to talk about at the beginning of the show. We're going to talk about how a um, major defense policy shift is happening in the Japanese government uh, with their eyes on China. We're also going to talk about how uh, Japan turned, uh, is intending to turn back their policy on nuclear power. Um, and then we're also going to talk about how the Japanese domestic trips and actually international trips are forecast to return to somewhat of their pre-pandemic levels. Roll that intro. So, um, so yeah, so you have a you have a perm. I do. You have a perm. I don't know, guys that get perms. I don't know how I feel about that. I shouldn't really talk shit because one of my best friends in America's father has a perm, and if he sees this, he'll be really pissed off at me. But like, I don't know, guys that get perms. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. What do you think of my perm? Um, it's perm. Every time a guy gets a perm, I just look at it and I'm just like, okay, it's a guy with a perm. Like, I don't really have an opinion on it. It's kind of like my staff. Every time we get new Japanese staff, the very first fucking thing that they always do is they dye their hair or they bleach their hair blonde. Every fucking time. Every fucking time I get new Japanese staff, they're like, what are the what are the dress code rules here? And I'm like, you know, explaining everything. I'm like, N- hair color can be anything as long as it's natural hair color. So no green, no blue, no pink. And they're like, gotcha, gotcha. And then like two weeks later, they show up to work and they're like blonde. And I'm like, well, you did it too. Okay, I see. Yeah, I mean, are you really one to talk though? No, that's what I'm saying. It's my thing. Don't take it from me. <laughs> what are you guys doing? Should I show up with a perm next week and be like, hey, Josh, what's up, perm buddy? Yeah, I don't think you would look good with a perm. No one looks good with a perm. Oh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just don't know. I don't, I just don't know how I feel about guys with perms. It's just like, I just look at them like, you know, because a lot of guys, a lot of people spend money to straighten their hair when they have wavy or curly hair. And then you're off spending money to curl your hair, whatever. Grass is always greener, Mitch. Or more permed on the other side. Um, so let's talk. Let's start the show with something serious. So this is actually a, a story that's got me kind of pissed off. Uh, so you, you've got this, uh, you've got a, uh, an Aichi man uh, who died while in detention uh, in central Japan. Um, basically... He's this man in his 40s and he gets, uh, he, he had like, he has, uh, some schizophrenia according to his father. Uh, and he has some mental illness and he also has diabetes. And while it's unclear while, why he was arrested, it doesn't seem like he did anything other than just like, like peak the suspicion of some noisy, nosy, uh, Obachan or something mm. like he was put in restraints in jail and then, so there's two stories about this. I'm going to read you the two stories. One's from the 16th, December 16th, one from the 17th. It says, well, it is said that the man refused the meals offered to him. It is suspected that the police station personnel did not take necessary measures, such as ensuring he received nutrition. Multiple staff members and a senior official at the police station are also suspected of having assaulted the man after restraining him. In connection with the case, surveillance camera footage also showed multiple staff members appearing to assault the man. According to a source, a staff member in charge explained, I got irritated as he wouldn't listen to what I said. Obviously, if you have mental illness on top of that diabetes, this would be a difficult you know, person to deal with. Um, but this is more of a medical issue than it is a, you know, a, a police issue. Right. The man was physically restrained for over 140 hours. And as some of the staff said that they believed it was long and excessive in, resp- in response to a probe by the Aichi Prefectural Police. Um, it said that they knew that the man was diabetic, but did not have him receive a medical examination or give him medicine. The man's cause of death was death was light, was was kidney failure. 
which means, you know, from the diabetes, uh, professional police have assigned um, a around 40 member team to look into the incident. So that's that's on the 16th. Okay. Yeah. Didn't it also say like they like one uh, person, one staff said that they forgot he had diabetes or something? No, no. It says, yeah, not just one person. They all forgot about it. They're saying, oh, right. He had diabetes. Shit. Yeah. Oops. So, I mean, this is all supposed this is all being reported we don't know anything nothing's factual yet so this is just allegedly stuff okay so allegedly um and then on the 17th it's being reported that um the death of the man held in a central japan police station has revealed he was left naked and bound with his head in a toilet bowl and a senior official is among those suspected of assaulting him a source close to the iet prefectural police has told the minami shimbun um how does it even escalate to that <laughs> well you know i don't know it's one thing okay there's there's multiple layers that we need to unpack with this one if you're in detention in japan it's kind of a it's kind of like a human rights violation to begin with um they can if you're charged with three counts of something they can arrest you in serial so they'll arrest you and hold you for a maximum of, I, I forgot how many long how many days it is it's like 30 days or something like that and then if they don't charge you or like prosecute you during that time they can release you and then re re uh, rearrest you the second you walk out of the jail for the next charge in the line of charges that you have. So the cops can just keep piling, piling on charges, never taking you to court for any of them and just keeping you in infinite detention. So right away, that's fucked up in Japan. You need to get on this and fix this. This needs, needs to be updated to be the rest of the world. This needs to be like, this is constantly uh, on, uh, you know, being criticized uh, by, by, you know, the, by major international organizations, including uh, um, the, the UN. Um, so that's one, okay? Another thing is that uh, when you're in detention, they can hold you and interrogate you and, and basically like convince you to admit you're guilty without you being having any access to a lawyer. So basically you're in captivity and you have everybody against you. And if you don't have strong mental fortitude to last through, because that's basically torture. Right. Um, if you can't last through, you know, it could be up to months of the psychological torture that, they, that they'll inflict on you. Um, then you, some people will just admit guilty when they're not guilty just to get out of the torture. And there's lots of documentaries about this, how people who did not do crimes admitted to crimes. And then later on, science proved that these people couldn't have possibly done these crimes. All right. And then the police are like, oh, we did nothing wrong because they said that they, they, they did the crime. And you're like, yeah, you tortured them to fucking admit it. It's, 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 it's totally screwed up. So this guy, he goes to jail and then, you know, his father finds out that he's in jail. He's been in jail for, he was in jail for five days. And it's like, they called him on, I think it was day four, maybe day three. And then they told his dad, Hey, your son's in jail. And then the next day they called him, Hey, your son's dead. That was it. That was it. So this needs to get fixed right fucking now. This, this needs to stop. You guys need to update your court system, make it modern. It's like barbaric. It it needs to be updated right now. I mean, like America's whole I mean, at least it? at least the cops just shoot you on the street. They don't have to go through all this torture of being in jail. You know, they just, they, you know, I mean, American don't don't do not compare anything to America to to prove your point. America's so fucked up no, on was, so many levels. I was just gonna say America's fucked up, but like, I don't know if these kinds of things happen in America, then there are going to be riots in the streets and stuff like that. But in Japan, it's like it just doesn't change. Yeah, every it, once in a while, these kinds of stories just pop up and. 
That's it. They need anyway. So we're, it's still a developing story. We'll report on this more when we get more information on it. But as of right now, it just seems like this man was, you know, this this you know mentally ill man with diabetes was just kind of tortured in jail and left to die is what's being reported. Again, nothing's been confirmed yet. But if that's the case, then I think that these these people who are perpetuated this crime need to go to jail. They need to go to jail. They need they need to do hard time. Yeah. I mean, that's just murder. Um, so anyway, so uh, shifting from uh, police to teachers. Yeah, another thing that needs to change in Japan, uh, Japan's teachers battle for change and uh, they're battling for change against basically like their workload, the number of hours that they have to work and stuff like that. Yeah. Because teachers in Japan, they they don't just teach their class and check papers and go home and stuff like that. They have like a load of other responsibilities that uh, oftentimes... They have to go in hours before school starts and then they have to stay until midnight a lot of the times. So it says here that teachers uh, say that they're reaching the breaking point and some have challenged the culture through lawsuits. Uh, one teacher in his last diary entries, Japanese teacher Yoshio Kuro, lamented work days that started early uh, could last until nearly midnight. And then two months later, he suffered from uh, karoshi, which is death, death by overwork. overwork. Yeah. And... Uh, it says that, like, what do you call it? A 2018 OECD survey found Japanese middle school teachers work 56 hours a week versus an average of 38 hours in most developed countries. But this doesn't take into account the amount of overtime hours that they have to work. Whenever you see hours worked reported in Japan, consider it like like 25% less than the actual figure. Yeah. Because in almost all sectors, and this is this is... You know, not a. It's not. It's not a. Uh, it's not a bug. It's a feature. The reason why this exists in Japan. The reason why there's so much overwork and underreported overwork is just because there's not enough people in the country to do the work that's necessary. I mean, that is honestly the the problem. And I've been talking about this on the show for a long time. Immigration is one great way to 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 fix this going forward. But but while we don't have good immigration here. Uh, basically the only solution, the only two solutions is immigration automation. Those are, that's basically it, right? Technology or, or more people from other places, or you keep working your workers forever and ever and ever. And the thing is, is if you look at the economy, when was the economy doing really, really well? When we had a fuck ton of little kids coming up through the, through the, you know, through, through the school system and then becoming adults and entering the economy and, you know, growing the economy, you, you're not going to do that with, with a shrinking, uh, population. Uh, population. So, yeah. so that's what it is. Yeah, like, I mean, it even says here that the uh, one probe by union uh, affiliated think tank showed teachers work on average 123 hours of overtime each month, which pushes their weekly workload well beyond the uh, Karoshi line, which is 80 hours yeah. a week. And uh, later in the article, it talks about how, like, being a teacher is considered like a sacred job and that they're kind of like pressured into not recording their overtime hours or how many hours are actually working because they kind of say like oh you should be doing this like for the kids this is a sacred job you should be putting yourself and your family second and like not take into account how many hours you're working all that and that's just like just straight up killing some people so so and this i want to i want to make two comments one i want to talk about like how to fix this okay the way that you fix this is that you start cutting out things from the school i mean that's honestly what you have to do one of the big reasons why the teachers have to work so long isn't because that they're doing anything you know spectacular in the classroom or like writing textbooks or anything they're just doing a lot of bullshit jobs like for example almost every single teacher is required to like lead a club activity yeah and another thing that they're supposed to do is like i'm sorry but the teachers are not responsible for the the the, the raising of the children 
phone outside of school. Having the children, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Maybe you guys can comment this below, but there's a practice in Japan where the teachers go around to all the houses of the children that they teach and they meet the parents for like an hour or two every single, you know, every single year to check up on their learning environment and things like that. And I don't think that necessarily should be the homeroom teacher's responsibility. If you guys want to do that, hire staff to do that. Right. Don't just like pile that on to the teacher's responsibility on top of all the other things that they have to do. And the second thing that I want to talk about has nothing to do with that. It has to do with a conversation that I had with ALTs in the ALT Facebook group, which if you if you want to see a cesspool of feeling sorry for yourself and bitching and complaining by people who don't know anything, that's that's the place to be. And I know that some of the um, some of the ALTs in Japan are fans of the show. And if you are, I think you're probably the, not the type of ALT that I'm about to mention. But one of the comments that I saw the other day in that group was, you know, like, I'm an ALT and I can't afford to eat. And I was like, what? I was like, ALTs make almost the same amount as, as like real teachers. And I'm going to say that real teachers because ALTs, I mean, every situation is different, but on average, an ALT works around what, 35 to 40 hours a week. And then they don't see the, the before the hours before the ALT arrives and the, and the hours after the ALT go, goes home where those teachers are working really, really, really hard. And so to con so I'm not saying that you should be paid less or more or teachers should be paid less or more. I'm not saying that. But if you're going to say, I don't get paid as much as a normal teacher, you're also not doing the same work. Right. Nowhere close to the same work. And the, it's it takes a real like willful ignorance of the situation for an ALT to try to compare themselves to a normal teacher. And it, I made that comment and it was just like, You know, there's that joke. It's like, like who would win like you versus like a thousand ducks or something like that. You know, there's something just like a, there's like a joke like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. do you think if you bought like a duck that's a thousand feet tall or a thousand ducks, which one would you have? I think you're saying like, uh, what is which it? would you rather fight a duck size, uh, a horse size duck or a hundred duck size horses? Maybe that's it. Whatever. But that's what it felt like. It felt like all these, like all these like attacks that made no sense were just being like flung at me. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, this is just, it's not painful. It's just slightly annoying. And then like, I just turned off notifications from the thread. I was just like, no, I don't want to deal with this. But anyway, if you're an ALT out there and you're watching this show, just understand that you, the teachers at the school work very, very hard. They are not, they're not all dedicated saints, but they work very, very hard. And so just understand that. Yeah. I mean, the, the other thing that I just wanted to comment, like you mentioned that, uh, it's not the teacher's responsibility to kind of like watch over the children's upbringing and stuff like that. And I was surprised when I read the article, it said that uh, a lot of the times it's the teacher's responsibilities to go to like police stations and stuff like that to apologize for when like kids get in trouble and stuff like that. Like if there are kids causing trouble in the middle of the night at a park, a lot of times it's the teachers that have to go to the police station or something and apologize. There's also cases where parents will come. Like if a kid is like gets into a fight outside of school or does something bad outside of school, the parents will come and complain to the teacher. Like, why aren't you raising my child? Right? Like the, the burden of responsibility is just in a different like place. Yeah. But the other side of it, you also mentioned is automation too. There is a lot of, there are a lot of in, uh, efficiencies in the work in, in schools and stuff like that. I'm sure I've, there's a ton of paperwork. I've, I, there's there's a fuck ton of stupid paperwork, but I've said it before. I like, uh, like during the uh, economic downturn in 2008, the Japanese government decided to like buy 55 or 65 inch uh, 1080p screens from the Japanese screen makers, TV yeah. makers and put them in every classroom across the country. And that, and one of the teachers that I, that I know, I know she used this giant 65 inch black box in her room to, to paste, to, to, to tape, papers too and i was just like 
Okay. So anyway, but yeah, that's that one thing. Is, one thing is is hiring more staff. Obviously, another thing is reducing their responsibilities to a, a, a workable level, and another thing is is funding education better. Uh, you know, there that that just needs to happen. Uh, speaking of funds, um, we're gonna go to uh, a contentious new major defense policy shift that is happening in Japan. Um, so Japan's Japan, if you didn't know this, it's written into their constitution because America wrote this into their constitution when they when America wrote their constitution that they can only have a defense. Uh, force. They can't have an offensive military force, which I honestly don't know what that means. We have to stay here. We can't go to other countries. That's it. Like, I, <laughs> like what is that? Like, it doesn't mean, anyway, like your bullets can only deflect bullets. I mean, like, what, what is it? What is like, what? Anyway, anyway, Japan's controversial major defense policy shift to obtain an enemy-based striking capability underscores that the Asian country has become seriously wary of China's possible use of military force against Taiwan, security experts say. Now, if you guys haven't been following up on the outlandishness of the uh, the Chinese military, what they've been doing, and I don't know if there's actual leadership behind this or if these guys are just doing this because Xi does not seem to be in control anymore. He just seems to be like, you know, like the king that no one will talk to because he keeps shooting the messenger. But... um, they're doing things like, you know, like there'll be boats or like there'll be like, uh, for example, sp- spy planes where they're just like flying around in, in international space. OK. And then like they'll scramble Chinese jets that will like seriously, they'll like go too close to the American jets, like on purpose and to try to harass the American jets. And the thing is, is like that's not a good idea because that could easily spark a hot war quickly between two nuclear armed nations. So it doesn't really seem like there's like big brain leadership behind this. It just seems like there's saber rattling that's happening within the, the Chinese military forces. And that's kind of spilling over to the Sea of Japan. And there's a lot of, you know, thoughts and like there's a lot of, you know, chatter about, you know, China seeing what's happening in the in Ukraine and thinking, oh, let's go take that Taiwan island that be, we've been wanting for all this time because they got Hong Kong through peaceful, peaceful means, um, and then went back on all of their promises. And then now they're looking at Taiwan. And, th- and the thing is, is like the world can't let Taiwan fall into China's hands. And it's just because of that one company that makes all those little chips, we can't let, we can't let China have them. And so, so basically the whole world knows that they have to protect that little tiny island that's right next <laughs> to China. And, and Japan is not dumb. They know that if there is a, if there is a war in the, in the Pacific, that this is going to be a huge staging ground. And they know that this is, you know, they, if they're going to be prepared for this, because, you know, the biggest, the, the best way to win a war is to never enter the war, right? To just have the threat of violence, the threat of force, and then the other side just not do this, the thing that you don't want them to do, right? That's like, that's the yeah. whole idea of the nuclear umbrella. That would be the best case scenario. Right. That's the whole idea of the nuclear umbrella. We all have nukes. So it's the end of the world if any of us do anything stupid. Yeah. So that's why all of the, the wars that you've seen since nukes, nukes became a thing have been between a nuclear armed country or, an, or an, and a non-nuclear armed country or two non-nuclear armed countries. Yeah. That reminds me of, uh, when was it, like a couple of years ago or something, they there was a false message sent to everyone in, in Hawaii. Hawaii. Yeah. In Hawaii, your in favorite Hawaii. line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and people were jumping down sewer drains and stuff like that. It, was, it wasn't a false message. It was a glitch in the system. Uh, yeah, and but... the, the, the nuclear, like, this is not a test. There is a nuke coming into Hawaii right now. Please yeah, like, but, seek like, cover. But even though it said seek cover, like the general idea was like, you, everyone's basically fucked. You're yeah. all going to be gone. What so. are you going to do? I mean, you're on Hawaii. You, I mean, jump in the ocean, I guess. True lifestyle. Um, so... Uh, 
so okay so what's happening in japan is that they just they they uh authorize this the spending package i forgot how much it is it's like in the maybe it's not in this article it's in like the hundreds of billions of dollars and they're going to be buying oh here it is 315 billion dollars u.s dollars um some of the things that they're going to do is they're going to buy tomahawk missiles from the united states so we're happy about that because those are fun to sell right um but what they're saying is that they need the 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 the, the capability to if let's say china's launching attacks against japan from from a base in china Japan is saying we should have the ability to strike back against that base, at least mm-hmm. not invade the country and do whatever and occupy or anything like that. But at least the, the ability to strike back up upon the, the staging place that the enemy forces are coming from. Right. Not saying that China is an enemy. I'm just saying if that happens. OK. Um, yeah. And then so one of the things that they're that, that's that the reason why this is so controversial is because here we go. Former Vice Admiral Ito said that the possession of a counter-strike capability is categorized as a natural right of self-defense and does not mean that Japan will abandon its exclusive self-defense policy with which the nation has stuck to for the last 75 years. Other analysis have voiced concerns o- about whether Japan could carry out co- counter-strikes in a manner that would not be that would not be seen as preemptive attacks while Japan's opposition bloc has requested Kishida's government to draw a sharp line between the two. So that's where this gets contentious. It's like, okay, now that we have ability, once they have it, once we have ability to attack a, a base, counter-attack. A, a counter-attack, do we then use mental gymnastics to say, well, they haven't attacked us yet, but they're going to, so we should just preemptively attack them to, to defend ourselves. Mm. That's when this gets muddy. And that's why they want real clarification of what these are going to be used for. Okay. Now, speaking of actual super crazy if we're really going to all-out war yeah if we really want to have a chance we don't need just a defense force we don't need tomahawks yeah we need some giant robots but unfortunately japan is no longer the holder of the largest giant giant robot (laughs) statue Statue. (laughs) not a real one just a statue so guinness grants glory to Grandizer. I'm not familiar with this anime, but apparently this is a, an older anime similar to Gundam that didn't get as popular in the US, but for some reason got very popular in a lot of other countries like Saudi Arabia. So recently added to the Boulevard World Amusement Park slash entertainment complex in Saudi Arabia's capital of Riyadh, the Grandizer statue, which we have a picture of right... Which is amazing here okay yeah right here uh they made a statue that is 33.7 meters tall or 110.6 feet for all you americans out there freedom units uh but it's actually not to scale but it's larger than it was in the manga and anime which is a strange choice why not just make it the same official height it's 3.7 meters taller and yeah and it's much bigger than the second largest one the closest contender is fukuoka's 20.5 meter gundam followed by tokyo's 19.7 meter unicorn gundam so but you gotta tell you guys those ones in fukuoka and in tokyo they're fucking massive like yeah you, you, like you, it this doesn't really look that big but the ones in japan which are much small not much smaller but are, are you know considerably well, yeah. smaller are huge when you look at them you're like damn those are huge but they also move so i don't know if this one moves or not I mean, they don't move like around. They just like reposition, I should say. <laughs> and it takes a long time. Well, maybe they're actually fully functional. Japan is 
fully functional. Yeah. Do you know that that's like a line from Star Trek? No. Data says I am fully functional. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. But anyways, yeah, it is the world's largest metal sculpture of a fictional character. The things that we do instead of fighting world hunger. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, I was actually supposed to say this before you talked about the robot, but getting back to war. Uh, so the kanji for war, uh, so the, the kanji for war, Sen, was chosen uh, as this year's uh, kanji for 2022, which is kind of sad. And the reason why it was, it was uh, picked is because of the, obviously the, the fighting in Ukraine, but also because of uh, Abe's assassination and kind of like rising tensions around the world right now. And so, um, senso, senso is the word for war, but the first kanji alone can be, could be representative of war. Uh, and so that was picked as this year's, um, kanji, which is kind of shitty. Yeah, sad. And which is really, if you want to have a, like a, a contrast, last year's kanji contenders were all to do with the Olympics. So it went from like, yay, Olympics to war, motherfucker, war. Um, let's do one more serious, uh, not so serious story, but basically this is in a, in a story that no one is, is shocked by. Literally no one is shocked by this. Uh, Japan has decided to turn back to nuclear power to feel, to power its country because there is no other option, literally no other option. I mean, I guess you could keep burning plastic, but that's still not enough. No, seriously. Like, okay. So, so after 311, um, they had... They were like, oh, my God, nuclear power is scary because, you know, it is, especially if you don't do it right, especially if you're like, let's build a nuclear power plant below the tsunami uh, line. And also let's put the batteries down really low so they can get all wet. And so the thing will fail. Let's, you know, let's not do stuff like that. But um, so anyway, it says quake prone Japan, which previously said it had no plans to build new reactors, will now seek to replace decommissioned ones and extend the lifespan of others. The industry ministry said, um, you know, nuclear, if you want to to fight climate change if you want to have a greener future nuclear power is one of the legs of that future and if you do not accept that then you aren't serious about climate change that's that's the bottom mm -hmm. line that's all i have to say about that no one's surprised by this yep uh actually no i have to go to mine then you do yours because that one's the best story that's a thumbnail story probably okay. oh we didn't look at the video though Oh shit. Oh God. I forgot about this. Okay. So going back to the, the robot. Okay. Yeah. In where was it? Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. There are anime obsessed countries out there that are just like, you just don't even know. And there is this uh, anime from, I think the seventies called Saint Seiya. And there is a mural of it. I don't even know if it's official, but there's a mural of it in, in Mexico. Check this out. This is just nuts. So it starts here and it looks very, very like, you know, that era of Showa era manga or anime. The thing is, is this thing as giant as it is just keeps fucking going. Yeah. I started watching this video you sent to me. I was like, okay. And it's done. Oh no, it's still going. And, and then I, it's still going. <laughs> I learned from Ricky who will join us on the podcast hopefully next year uh, that in Mexico there, they are super fond of some very specific anime. It's still, still fucking going. Um, some very specific animes in Mexico. And I was just, I did not, I don't know why I didn't think of that. I mean, I now that I think about it in retrospect, it's like, duh. Yeah. But I was just like, I don't know. When I first saw that, I was just like, dude, I never knew, I never considered that anime would be huge in Mexico. Yeah. My, uh, my roommate, when I lived in Tokyo, he's from Argentina. Yeah. And he said that like he and all his friends are really big anime fans. And 
he was into like all these anime that I'd never heard of, but he's like, yeah, in my country, we have like dub versions of these shows and they're so popular. And he actually studied to become a, a manga artist. I really want to see a Japanese Showa era manga dubbed into Spanish. That would be the most fucking hilarious thing I've ever seen. Or German. That would even be better. Okay, since anime to anime, I'm just going to quickly talk about this story because it's not really that exciting. Basically, domestic trips forecast 72% of pre-pandemic levels in Japan as people say, fuck the pandemic and get back to traveling. And then there's also a lot of people going out of the, the country with uh, popular destinations being Seoul, Honolulu, and Bangkok. Honolulu? I don't know anything about that place. Okay, <laughs> now let's get back to anime because this is actually... I don't know how I feel about this because like... Well, I know how I feel about this. It's like, I don't really give a fuck. But you... Yeah. You have something to say about this. Yeah. So Ash and Pikachu are stepping down as the main characters of the Pokemon anime. That's written in such a weird way. It's like, it's like yeah, they, decided, they decided, like we're no longer in this. <laughs> they had a press conference. Like we're stepping down. No. Yeah. But uh, I mean, Pokemon started 25 years ago, 1997. I think that's right. And so the final chapter of the anime is... I, I think it came out today, actually, the final episode. But then they're going to have like a little bit of a follow-up uh, special thing on, in later in December. Was, wasn't there a movie where Pikachu said, I love you to Ash, and it was like everybody cringed at it? Yeah. It turned out to be like a dream sequence or something? Probably. Like, I mean, I'm not the biggest Pokemon fan or anything. Like, I haven't watched the show since I was a kid. Yeah, you know the names of all like most of the characters in Japanese no. as well. You're so weird. Only the first generation because that was when I was a kid. Okay. But, but... <laughs> I'm not stealing your thunder. Go for it, dude. But when I heard that... Uh, what do you call it? Because I, I I don't know how... You probably don't know anything about Pokemon, no. right? Like, I know. All I know is that the... I, when I was watching the video on Twitter, when they were like announcing, or then they're like going over like the 25 years of Pokemon history, yeah. I just knew one of the so the songs from that video was like that one of the stages in the Nintendo 64 Smash Brothers. That's all that had nostalgia wise for me. I was like Smash Brothers, and then the song ended and went on to a different song. I was like, and it's over. Like that was feelings that. over. That's it. But I mean, the whole point of like ash's story is that he always wanted to be isn't he from like stocks city or something like that pallet town pallet town yeah he always wanted uh to be like the be best the best Pokemon, right the best that, that no no one ever was yeah anyways uh but every season he like competes in a new regions like world not world but like regional championship basically okay. and he always loses every year he never wins why do people watch this shit Cause it's supposed to be like a, I think originally it was supposed to be like, even if you lose, you got to just pick yourself back up and try again. Kind of meaning. Is this why the population in Japan has been de de on the decline? Cause they're just like, you can lose. It's fine. And we're just like, well, just don't, don't try. Fuck it. Well, he always tries and he always gets in, into like the but top. They, but they're seeing the results. They're like, well, fuck it. If I try all that, that whole season just to lose. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Sorry. So continue. <laughs> so like he, I guess I, I didn't watch it, but lot, the previous season, he became the Number seasonal one. or the regional champion. Okay. And then this season, he was able to compete in like the world championships of Pokemon or whatever. And he's going to fucking lose. And he won. Okay. So it's already over. <laughs> so, so they're like, goodbye. You're done. So yeah, now he's done. He's officially like the greatest Pokemon master who's still officially 10 years old. What's he, his Japanese name? Satoshi. Okay. Anyway. Very standard Japanese Very name. standard. It's like Jack. 
anyway yeah but yeah like actually i did watch uh the scene the last scene basically of the most recent thing just to see like kind of that get that nostalgic feeling did you get teary-eyed no but it did feel very nostalgic like like they did have a lot of like cuts to the first season and stuff like that and i was like oh yeah i remember watching that when i was was like, it all like square four three yeah, ratio there were like six pickle pixels pickles, pickles. <laughs> on the screen but from next like they had a little teaser trailer for like the next uh Dude, season okay so before you show it how do you uh no wait show it first and then then okay there are two new protagonists and their names are Liko and Roy. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't really feel anything about it. Look, hey, look. Um, I'm all. I. I don't care that like the boy became a girl. I don't care about that. Just look at them. They are so forgettable. Like I've already. I before you put this on the screen, I had already forgotten what they look like. Pikachu is recognizable from like a thousand like miles away. You can. You can. You look at Pikachu. You know it's Pikachu. It stands out from all the other Pokemon too, because they're all they're all kind of average-looking weird things. What the hell is that? It's green with red eyes. It looks sick. What the cat thing? Yeah, the cat thing. Even a Meowth would have been a better choice. Well, I mean, these are the three starters from the next game that just came out. Whatever. The kids will probably eat it up. Yeah, I mean, like the the new game came out recently, and like all the kids are getting it. Whatever. Whatever. I have no feelings for this. I just, I knew that there would be a lot of you out there that did. So we put it in the show, but I, no, whatever. I mean, whatever. Well, I'm, I, I do have a little bit of that, like nostalgic little tinge in my heart. Like, oh, his story is finally finished. He's still 10 years old, 25 years later. Well, I mean, that's the like Bart Simpson thing, right? Or like the, what is that stupid Japanese anime that comes on? Sazai-san? Sazai-san, yeah. Everyone, no one ages. Yeah. Thousands of thousands of years later, they're still the same age. Yeah. Whatever. Look, hey, if you're a Pokemon fan out there, let us know your thoughts on the two new characters. I don't want to shit on them. If you guys like them, tell us why you like them. If you don't like them, tell us why you don't like them. And also, since this is going to be our last... What? what? Oh, I was going to say, also, let me know if you bought the game, which starter you picked. I don't know their names, but I like that derpy looking fire dinosaur thing. Derpy looking fire dinosaur thing. Yeah, he is. <laughs> is this scarlet and violet? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. That, that, the only reason why I know that is because the little kids say it. I don't know what it means, but I'm like whatever. Okay, so this is our last show for this year, um, and I and we're gonna we're gonna come back in a couple of weeks after you know I don't know in Hawaii somebody's getting his perm married to somebody yeah, else. Yeah. So again. In Hawaii. In Hawaii. Um, but anyway, we're going to be, we'll, we'll be back in the new year. But uh, for this show, I just wanted to like leave it with, uh, you know, just the thoughts about, you know, this whole year. So many things have changed. Coming out of the pandemic, all the stories that we had, all the dumbass things that Natsuki said. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of dumb things this year. Um, I should just make like a super cut of all the dumb <laughs> things she said over the year and post it on like New Year's Eve. Well, that's like some of the funniest moments. I love Natsuki. She's and I keep saying this. It doesn't matter what language the woman speaks. She's always like that. She says the most ridiculous things in Japanese too. The only difference is that she's she's faster with the comebacks and and she can score points on me in Japanese. Yeah, but that's about it. Um, let's see. So if you guys had any favorite moments, uh, whatever comments about the anything, anything at all about the show. Um, like if you want to congratulate Josh on getting married again, this time. In America, so, you know. 
So especially had to get two marriages. Uh, well, maybe we'll maybe post some pictures of that or something like that on the on the because I think we have like I think YouTube has like a Facebook wall thing, right? It has a post option, yeah, community mm-hmm. option. Yeah, maybe we'll put it in the Discord chat. Whatever. We'll see. But speaking of the Discord chat, uh, our patrons too. A lot of them have been. We've been talking recently, and we're also talking about if we can find the time, either doing an end of the year chat or it might have to be early next year because I don't have much time left probably be next year but yeah we get to hang out yeah do like a chat do like QA, and a get get uh get alex all liquored up yeah he'll say things that'll be off the cuff <laughs> dude when he, he gets like tourette's mode when he gets drunk i'm just like dude you're not supposed to say things like that <laughs> it's all that like pent up like there's language. a lot of you know because he's you know because he's half businessman half samurai right so and he hates it when i say that <laughs> but like uh you know it's not only is he having to deal with you know business people all the time which is stressful but he's also like having to like you know be samurai mode as well you know and so i mean he's he's got he's got a lot on his plate we're, we're gonna work yeah. on some new projects next year so it's gonna be a lot of fun uh we'll talk about that more when, when they when they come to you know when they when we actually can show you them uh, and then, yeah, it's, you know, just, yeah. Happy new year, everybody. Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa, whatever you do. Hanukkah. Is Hanukkah over? I don't know. Isn't it seven day, seven nights or something? It's like seven crazy know. nights. Adam Sandler. Did you, did you put it in my video? Oh, oh I, no, we're going to, we'll, we'll do it after the outro. Thanks, so, thanks to all of our patrons and everybody. And, uh, we're going to leave you with a fun little video that I took from, from my window today. Merry Christmas. Happy new year. That's our volcano. It's covered in snow. Yeah. It's actually pretty fucking cool. All right, guys. Happy uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. We'll see you guys in 2023. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thank you guys so much for listening. And a special thank you to our supporters on Patreon. Jan Myler, Jen, Justin Perkins, Ellen, Dennis P., and Ellen Mary. You guys rock. <laughs>